more video streaming interface discussions, and Pegasus. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by the Mac Voices Dispatch, our weekly newsletter to keep you up on all the latest from Mac Voices. Watch or listen to Mac Voices straight from your email client. Sign up at macvoices.com newsletter and stay up to date. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. This is part two in a conversation with the Mac Voices Live panel, where we covered a bunch of different subjects. In part one, we started a conversation about streaming video interfaces and some frustrations that I had with them and others have had with them. And that conversation continues here before we start to dig into the Pegasus spyware story and determine whether or not you need to worry about it. So let's go back and let the panel do the talking. You know, uh, the the c- cable box I have, it annoys me because it, it won't remember where I am in a DVR program. Um, so uh, if I stop and then come back, you know, next week, it's like, you know, it's like you, you have to kind of watch things through because otherwise you just got to try to remember where you were and fast forward through it. It's like, honestly, you, you, you can't keep like 64 bits of metadata about where the last played, you know, I, I, I you know, how can that possibly be? Uh, and I've seen that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a bicycle racing fan and there's a number of online mm. players for, for, you know, there's different, you know, channels that you, you know, and that's, that, that's a complaint in almost all of them. Um, that none of them remember where you're at, which is really bad. You've got like a six hour bicycle race. Um, and you know, if you stop watching it, and then, like, come back an hour later, you know, so I've always got to remember, okay, well, I stopped watching it. It's uh, 87 kilometers to go. So then you got to scrub back and, and and figure out where you're at. The Tour de France now was on Peacock, which I believe also had the open. Um, yeah. And uh, so so they just started Peacock's new. In the past, it was on NBC Sports Gold. They got rid of that, and now they have Peacock. And I'll have to say, NBC Sports Gold would never remember the position Peacock it does remember the position so I can stop watching the race and go back later. And, um, um, it doesn't remember I was watching that race. I still have to go back through the hub and, you know, go back and like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to watch stage 14, please. But then when I started, in fact, it actually, even I was amazed it would go back and forth. I could go between my iPad and my Apple TV and it would say, Oh, do you want the Apple TV to go to the place where you were on the iPad? And it actually worked. Um, but uh, a lot of these others, they don't do that. I have the same problem with, uh, well, Acorn, I guess it remembers it. But, you know, they're, they're, and also I wish Apple, somehow all these uh, streaming players, they all seem to implement their own player somehow. So like things like some of them, the pause buttons in the middle and some of it's down on the, down on the left. And some of them you can, you can tap you know, big areas on the video to skip forward and back. Some of them, it's a little thing in the middle. It's like, why isn't all the same? Why, why hasn't Apple provided an interface? Although actually like, you know, Netflix and Amazon have a better interface than Apple does, but 
you know, it seems like that should be something, an API that Apple provides that everybody, you know, wh- why do I have to like every player I look at it has a different, you know, oh, the closed captions in a different place, the pauses in a different place. What? <laughs> yeah. I, but I think, but you made a really interesting point though earlier, and that is the, the best coders don't work. I'm kind of like Frank. I would like to think that we're far enough along that there would be some good basic design education that goes on for coders and for folks that that, that to do some of these things. Um, and instead, but, it just seems like the wild, wild west where nothing is consistent. And look at and, TikTok. <clears throat> well, it's not just coders; it's the everybody in the you know it's. It's the user interface people. It's the, you know, people who yeah. design the back ends for the billing. Um, yeah. You know, it's all through the whole company. You know, these are companies of you know, mediocre people that like, again, no, you know, nobody is a kid and says, oh, I want to grow up and work for Comcast. You know, there are people that feel that way about Apple and like, oh, it's my dream to, you know, or, or Google, you know, people are like, you know, yeah, so they get the best. They get the cream of the crop. And, you know, uh, these other companies are not going to, you know, they're not going to get that. Andrew, you're awfully quiet. I know that your big story is coming up, um, but do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, what what do you use for your, your video entertainment? I'm, I'm hesitant to say broadcast TV or anything else. Yeah, I've been quiet just because I don't actually have a TV or one of these uh, streaming boxes. I mean, if I if I want to watch a TV show or a movie, I'm just on my MacBook or my iPad watching Netflix, Apple TV, etc. <laughs> wow, now that may be a, a a serious no kidding here. That may be a generational difference right there. There, here's yeah. here's somebody that doesn't have a TV. So that's really interesting. Well, I I have a TV, but we watch broad. You know, I I when you started this, I wanted to jokingly say, "What is this broadcast TV you're speaking of?" <laughs> and you know, I definitely don't almost never watch anything live. If I if I want to watch something, I'll DV you know DVR it and watch it later. So, um, yeah, Jim. Yeah, I'm. I mean, <laughs> that particular live sporting events and a few others over the year are the, the main things. That and local news. Yeah, but really I do. Lo- yeah. Well, local news, uh, local news local is I definitely don't want to watch local news. <laughs> yeah. um, well, and, and, some... and, and sporting events, you know, I I, I, re- I record those. Um, you know, who the hell wants to watch all those commercials? And so, you know, I just you have to be a little careful not to get it spoiled. Um, but, you know, I, you know what the heck do I want to sit and watch it in that, in that moment? And yeah, interestingly, you know, like the tour de France, I didn't watch any of it on television this year. Um, I watched it mostly on my iPad, a little bit on the Apple TV, but all streaming. And it is on, you know, um, NBCSN, but I didn't DVR it. I just, that's interesting. I, I, I'm like in Chuck's camp for some reason, if it's happening at that moment, I want to see it now. I don't want someone to pick for me what moments I watch. Well, of course, I want to see it unfold. Well, A, you know, the Tour de France, it starts at 3.30 in the morning, my time. 
Yes, so true, that's true. a problem. But but actually, for that, you know, for example, so now, like, if you do watch it on TV, whether it's live or whatever, there's commercials in it, and and they yeah. break the action for the commercials. And now, actually, this year was the first year on 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 the on the inter- streaming feed, they covered the entirety of every single stage, and they the the international feed has no commercials. I don't know how the announcer does it. <laughs> Uh, because it's like it's like seven hours, and I and I noticed like now this year they they covered it like it used to be they would only cover the last two hours of the races, and now they you know they have the whole thing from the very beginning, um, and to till the last racer comes in, which some cases is forty minutes later, and they never did that before. I've never seen that on any race, so. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of material. So for a lot of it, I just have my iPad sitting next to my computer and and it's just kind of going. And, you know, I listen to the tone of voice of the announcer and like, oh, I better pay attention or back it up. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, there's hours of they're just going along and nothing happens. And at the end of the race, it gets exciting. Depends on the kind of stage. Paul in the chat room says, I like watching TV on my iPad better than my TV. I do, too. Yeah, yeah, some some of you said for that, Brittany. I, I know you mentioned Roku. I mean, you you're a little closer to Andrew's demographic, or he's closer to yours. Do you own a TV? Uh, yeah the the one that used to be in my room. I made space for a movie studio, but we have a a whole surround sound setting set up downstairs. Um, it uh had an Apple TV, still does, but. Uh, going in, but everything's run through the amplifier, and that's the the guy that decides what you're watching, um, so that the audio can go out everywhere. Um, but it's it's interesting because we got a a roll fancy smart TV, and so I very often just airplay to that, even though we have the Apple TV sitting there. It's also a very old Apple TV. <laughs> um, and so we're we're either running stuff through the amplifier or uh, playing it straight to the tv box from from another device hmm. okay so you still use it as a tv but you feed it a little bit differently mm-hmm. yeah either yeah it's either getting an amplifier signal which is going to be from a computer or um you know if we're watching stuff on this old drive we have filled with movies that i must have fallen off a truck somewhere that my uncle gave us <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly don't even really know how that happened. Um, but sometimes we're watching riff tracks. We want to watch, you know, we want to find some old, like we just watched Face Off. And we're like, wow, we sure don't want to pay for Face Off anywhere um, to watch riff tracks. And it was on the drive. But anyway, so it's, it's coming off a computer or, or off a DVD player or something goes to the amplifier or we'll airplay straight to the TV. And the nice thing about airplaying directly to the TV is it'll take control automatically. And... If my Android friend wants to broadcast something, he can do it too. He'll just use the other um, signal daily. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, interesting. All right, well, we beat this topic to death. I, chat room, I'd love to hear from you and folks out there. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on, on the streaming interface. Um, we do actually have an interesting broadcast. I don't watch broadcast oh. TV, but my dad watches okay. things like the open, usually on DVR because there's a lot of commercial breaks, but, <laughs> uh, but he, we don't do the Comcast cable anymore, although we aren't 
don't have an option for internet. Um, but he uses the the signal from their businesses in Bandon, which is a different cable company, and he'll like just broadcast it to and watch the DVR long distance onto his oh, nice. on his iPad or, or broadcast it to the bigger TV. Yeah. Yeah. So, so folks out there, you know, I'd, I'd love to know what you're doing. I mean, there've been plenty of shows and we've done shows on, on cord cutting and it's very, it's absolutely desirable, but there are still some gotchas. There's still some rough spots and we've talked about some of them, but there are also some rough spots with remaining with a service like Comcast. And I'd love to know what your experiences have been. So drop me an email, Chuck at Mac voices. I, I'd, I'd love to know. All right, Andrew, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Right. Tell us, uh, tell us about Pegasus and whether we should be concerned. Explain so this is some news that has been, I think it dropped over the weekend. There, there's still so many articles coming out about it. Um, now, I was looking it up. I know at least NSO Group has been written about since at least 2018 maybe earlier. So it's not really a new name, but um, Amnesty International and I think some other nonprofit came up with this investigation about their Pegasus malware, where this is a Israeli, um, NSO group is an Israeli, Israeli based firm, and they are selling their malware to governments for the purposes of surveillance. Um, the article, one of the first articles that came out, I think was from the Washington Post. They, they found, um, I think 37 phones infected with this malware belonging to journalists, um, human rights activists, um, maybe a couple of presidents, I think. Um, basically any, any, person whom these governments might view as, you know, some kind of dissident enemy of the state, right? Uh, I think one of the reasons people are concerned about this is because this is what is known as zero-click malware. So you can be infected by this without having to do anything. You don't have to click on a URL in a phishing email or visit a sketchy website. Wow. Um, it sounds like a someone can send you some kind of malicious link or file or whatever through texting, maybe like iMessage, and boom, you're automatically infected. And all, all the datas that you have are now being collected and surveilled by, by these groups. Um, my opinion is that most people probably don't have to worry about this just because, like I said, you kind of have to be like in a, a target of probably a government. There is a tool that I've seen that Amnesty International has shared on GitHub. Um, I forget what it's called, Mobile Verification Toolkit, I think, where you can you can try to do this thing, run this thing on, on your computer and try to see if um, Pegasus has been ever on your smartphone or not. So um, also one more thing to me, it kind of seems like the news has been focused on iPhones. 
both iPhones and Androids have also been affected. There was, um, I'm trying to remember, there was something about iPhones where maybe it was just maybe easier to detect the infection afterwards, but it's it's not just targeting Apple devices. This is both iPhones and Androids. Yeah, there, there was an article, um, the Macalope wrote an interesting article on macworld.com, um, say, explain, sort of, calling out the Washington Post for focusing so much on iPhones. And yeah. the, the, the reason was that the iPhone logs um, give you a lot more information to diagnose the problem. The Android logs were sorely missing this information. So you had a hard yeah, time. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And I thought, I've, you know, it was really interesting. It's like, okay, there's a, there's a piece of bias that you wouldn't have thought about. But iPhone has made it, yes, they're susceptible, uh, apparently in a, in, to a similar degree as the Android phones, but the iPhones, because of their logging, makes it easier to figure out that you've been infected and, mm-hmm. and how to deal with it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, I think, a key point because you're going to see a lot of stuff out there about iPhones, and the fact is that it's Androids too. Yeah, and, I, and that's actually a good thing, right? Like I, I think Apple has some pretty good um, uh, built-in tools kind of like that. They do keep logs. There, there are settings that you can turn on and say, hey, do you want to collect analytics for Apple? iPhone analytics, iCloud analytics. And then there's an option to where Apple can share those logs to third-party developers. So just that by itself, you know, it, it, like you were saying, it does kind of sound like Apple has kind of been targeting, but it's just because Apple devices can give some of that detailed information. Right. And I think, I think it's a fair statement to say that Apple has made the point of their phones being a lot more secure. Um, but this just shows that anything can be hacked. Andrew's been writing a number of articles for the Mac Observer, but one of the first ones I think he wrote was one of my favorite titles of all time. So what's up with this NSO group Pegasus thing anyway? <laughs> that, that, that was great because it, it, it starts off some of the coverage and you know what is going on. Andrew, do you have any sense, though, I, I mean, should any of us be worried about it since we're not dissidents or journalists attacking um, the powers that be or anything? <laughs> yeah, I guess that just goes back to what I was saying before. In my opinion, most of us probably don't have anything to worry about. This is targeted surveillance versus mass surveillance, like someone, you know, scraping data in the cloud or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that sort of up to the person, though, that it, there may be one person that thinks you're a threat? Now, you, we may not see them as a threat, but for some reason they got in their head. I'm thinking back to the days of the uh, 70s when Herbert Hoover actually opened up a log on John Lennon because they thought he was going to just completely yeah. throw out their little game. Yeah, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you don't really know, I guess. It's like, who do you rub the wrong way? Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is it looked like the, the, uh, the primary customers for NSO for selling, for buying Pegasus were, you know, some of the pretty high powered organizations. 
And so, you know, this is not something that, you know, I decide that I want to spy on Brittany. So I go and get Pegasus. Um, you know, this is like, okay, I, 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 well, that's not a good example, you know, but I want to spy on the CNN anchors. So I'm going to go get Pegasus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, I think that's most of the, the concern about this is that as I haven't seen a full list, but it does sound like most of these customers of this company is governments. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there are articles all over the place as we record this today about, you know, this is a way you can check to see if if you have Pegasus on your iPhone and or I, I'm sure there are Android articles out there in the same way. And it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. OK, if you want to run them. Um, but but it also brings into question just a little bit in my mind that, OK, I'm, I'm going to go over here because, oh, somebody's telling me that they can detect Pegasus on my phone. What am I installing on my phone that you know that might might be a little more at my I, level? I think that actually doesn't run on the phone. It checks up. It looks at your backup on your Mac. That's how it, oh. that's how it works. It doesn't uh, it doesn't install on the phone. Oh, okay. So I'm checking yeah, my Mac to see like if that. there's. So you're installing yeah. something potentially malicious on your Mac. Your Mac. No worries. Yeah, well, that that makes me feel better. <laughs> Thanks for that, Jim. I can go to sleep now and watch my uh, my, my Fire time. TV restart itself again. Or have to watch you. And Andrew, um, the other thing I ask you to maybe touch on tonight too, if if we're if we're done with Pegasus, and if we're not, please anybody feel free to dive in. Um, was the DuckDuckGo email story of the day, which I thought was very interesting. Yes. Uh, let me see. I have an article up here. What was the name of it? Um, so DuckDuckGo announced this thing today called um, an email. I think it's just called an email protection service. So what it is, is a kind of, it's an email alias service. So you can register a at duck email address with them. And it does sound like you can, you can create um, other randomized aliases with them. It's, it's very similar to a feature we're going to see in iOS 15, which is called hide my email. And essentially all it does is um, it, it scans your emails for things like trackers, and then it cleans those out and forwards those emails <laughs> to your regular inbox, whatever email you choose to sign up with that. And it, it sounds like it's free and you can use that with a, a DuckDuckGo extension and the DuckDuckGo app on your mo mobile devices. Okay. You so, know, in Gmail, you can just add a plus to the email address and add a, make up a new email address on the fly. I know you can do that. That's good for maybe signing up for like a, a newsletter or whatever, but I don't know if that clears out the trackers or not that the trackers seems to be like their their main focus so i, I don't had think mixed... that's not what apple's thing does yeah uh yeah there's uh i forget what it's called mail privacy protection it it hides your email address and it also like blocks the trackers that some of these companies use the thing that 
I, I have mixed feelings about this because I have I use DuckDuckGo, um, not necessarily consistently, but I do use it. I think the company has a good reputation. They are really obviously making their bones in an even bigger way in privacy and security. And then they're giving me a free service. And of course, we all know what the rules about free services are, that you're mm -hmm. the customer. So I'm looking at this and saying, okay, this is great. And if they're going to give anyone who wants it a, a, a duck email address, that too is nice. And as from what I heard on a one of the podcasts today, it's removing the trackers in, in RAM. So it never even writes it to a disk which is great. That means that, you know, it's not going to have a lot of servers that it has to store stuff on, but ah, you know, I, I'm just, I'm, I almost wish they'd said for five bucks a year, you could have this email address. It would just make me feel a little bit better than saying, yeah, oh, it's going to yeah. be free. And so Although, I, I, am I paranoid? Well, DuckDuckGo is free in the first place, right? So why aren't you worried about the DuckDuckGo Search engine, yeah. Don't they? I, I, I'm, I'm making this up. Doesn't DuckDuckGo have? They have ads, but they just don't track you. They show you ads. I think. Uh yes. Yeah, obviously they're making money somehow, but, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're going to show ads in your email. Where have we heard of that before? Well, duck actually, I, I don't know. You know. I use Gmail and I don't remember ever seeing any ads. Where are the ads? <laughs> oh, I, well, I use a third party right now. If, if as long as it'll hold out, I use a third party interface to it. So, well, I, but, I use Mailplane so that I'm, I'm seeing the web interface, but I, yeah. I don't remember ever seeing, let's see, is there? I used to see them over on the uh, on the right hand side. I can't. I've gotten so good at ignoring ads that I can't say that I really remember. Yeah, them. I know that's what I'm thinking too. I I don't remember seeing any for a long time. And I and I use the Gmail iOS interface app too, and I I don't remember seeing ads. Hmm. I think they're sucking enough data out of me that they don't have to. Also, that's possible. That's, possible. <laughs> that's probably what it is. <laughs> Webb in the chat room brought up an interesting thing to circle back to um, to Jim's comment about the uh, Pegasus diagnosis software on the Mac. He asks, "Does does this make the case against an iOS backdoor?" Which I assume is what you were talking about, Webb, with that question. But yeah, so now we can run iOS apps on our Mac in Big Sur. Does this present a problem for something like Pegasus? Maybe not Pegasus itself. Well, I, I I'm not sure what the apps have to do with it, and you know there are certainly vulnerabilities on Macs as well. A, B, I you know the 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 information about Pegasus seems to be evolving pretty, you know like. There's a lot of different information. Like I just read an article in Cult of Mac while we were having the discussion that claimed that it could infect directly from a cell tower that, you know, no, you know, Andrew was saying send a text message, but that article made it sound like that wasn't even necessary. Just, you know, and, you know, and that, that's another thing, like people, you know, people never talk about like the cell phone companies, like no where you are all the time, 
Um, they can man in the middle of you a lot. Um, and, it's, you know, somehow that just gets completely like, you know, oh, Google, which, you know, yeah. But what about Verizon? You know, and they have done awful things in the past. And they just, it never seems to get any uh, traction or publicity or, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, you got to have a cell phone. You got to use a cell phone company. So we'll just, we'll just ignore that. Yeah. Um, and they're so embedded with the, you know, governments and legislatures and, and you know, they just sort of get us a, a pass and skate. So if I understand the question, um, this person is asking if if iPhone backups can be scanned in this way, does that mean there could be a, a backdoor? Is that correct? That That's the way I'm reading it. And Webb just confirmed, yes, that, that the I thinking think it, is that if, if something can run, if something could run on iOS, then because of the capabilities now of running iOS apps on Big Sur, does this create a backdoor to the Mac operating system to install something you don't want installed? And Web again, correct that, me if I'm wrong. That doesn't I mean, it. I'd say probably no. So I just want to share a quote. Um, this is from uh, TechCrunch, I think. So it says, uh, this toolkit lets you take an entire iPhone backup or a full system dump if you jailbreak your phone and feed it for any indicators of compromise known to be used by NSO to deliver Pegasus. I don't think this um, creates a backdoor because we already have tools that can um, take a system dump of an iPhone like this for forensic purposes. Um, I reviewed one from Alchemsoft, and there are also other tools like GrayKey and Celebrate, for example. So I guess my point is they don't really need a backup to uh, be able to search and break down your phone like that. But we do if we want to break down our old phone. I think, you know, you, in order for this to work, you'd have to do the backup unencrypted because you can do... I think you have a choice when you back up whether you encrypt the backup or not. Yeah. Uh, and I believe if you encrypted the backup, then this probably isn't going to work. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, fair point. Hey, I want to welcome a, a late arriving, but very welcome, Jeff Gamut. Welcome. Good to see you, Jeff. It's so great to see everyone. And uh, mm. sorry I'm running late, but uh, um, here I am. It happens. You're in it demand. Happens. Yeah, you're in demand. You're in demand. <coughs> We've been talking about well, we you missed the whole beating on the uh, the streaming interface uh, thing, but um, right now we're digging a little bit into Pegasus, um, and Andrew's enlightening us. Um, and I did want to follow up on something, Jim. I think you were asking, you were commenting, but I just did a couple searches on DuckDuckGo, and yes, it's showing me ads. You know, oh. now it's not obnoxious. And according to them, they're not tracking me. Um, and honestly, some of the ads that I'm being shown, like I, I would have no idea why I'd be being shown ads for pasta. So that doesn't appear to be because based on anything. Time. Maybe so, Jeff, oh. but, you know, there's nothing here that, you know, and oh, and I got one from Lowe's for manufactured stone veneer, which is definitely not something I'm in the market for. So figure that out. Let us know if you get an ad for something you bought 10 minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's kind of the, the indicator. So, but, and again, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they, to your point, they have to make money somehow, 
but the question sort of be, became, you know, with this email thing, it sounds like a good idea. I'm just not sure. So, Jeff, any thoughts on? Uh, I don't know how much you've had a chance to check on Pegasus or the or the uh, DuckDuckGo thing. Uh, I am so not up to speed on the DuckDuckGo thing, um, uh, but the Pegasus thing. I do have a little bit to add to the the whole process of uh, of the tools that Andrew is talking about. the the uh, The tool that goes through and looks for the markers that Andrew is talking about that would indicate there's a likelihood that uh, you've been targeted with Pegasus. Um, that's a whole command line thing, which I don't know if uh, you talked about that yet. Uh, so it works on a backup of your your iPhone, just like Andrew said. Um, and uh, and Jim, you said you didn't think it could work on an encrypted backup um, unless you unlock your encrypted backup. Uh, from what I understand, it will not work. So in essence, yes, you're doing this on an unencrypted version of uh, of your backup from your phone. And this is much easier to do on an iPhone than an Android phone because there are so many security measures that Apple has put in place that the markers are, are much easier to identify. So if you run the same test on Android phone backups, there's a higher likelihood of false positives because uh -huh. uh, it's kind of... It, it it's kind of a wild west uh diving into that uh operating system okay yeah don't you know don't know i mean it just again I, frankly jeff is probably the one most likely here to be investigated by anybody that's using pegasus so he would be <laughs> yeah i i need to uh uh run that tonight probably <laughs> just ah, just saying ah. Which, you're a dis, you're a dissident from what group, Jeff? Now maybe yes. we don't want to know. Yes. Okay. Good. He's a dissident from all of them, folks. There you go. I like it. I'm just a born rebel. <laughs> like it. Um, I had one other thing on the list, and I it's way down on the list, and I just I think it's interesting um, because I believe at least one person here is a Pocket Cast user. But this week, Pocket Cast was acquired by Automatic, the folks who publish WordPress. And I just thought this is really interesting that, you know, now, because WordPress, uh, excuse me, Automatic acquired somebody else in the podcast space as well. Now they've acquired a podcast um, uh, client. And I'm just curious if anybody has any thoughts on this, because we have a number of podcasters here. I do. Oh, I know. I know you weren't expecting me to first have an opinion or something to say. Total shock. Well, <laughs> well go for it. Go for okay. it. Get us started. Oh. So, automatic. They uh, they they do WordPress hosting, and uh, you know that it's not actually. Well, it, I mean, it is WordPress code, but uh, they're actually doing their own hosting for the WordPress product, right? So they've picked up a couple of, uh, of podcast-related properties, and 
I think that their plan is to do for podcast hosting what they've been doing for the WordPress uh, hosting community. So uh, you'll have uh, have these tools that are available to you that that you can use as a podcaster, just like uh, uh, like you can with um, um, any of the other podcast hosting tools. And then they'll have the uh, the whole aggregator part of it as well, because now that now they own that, so you'll be able to get an all-in-one podcasting solution through WordPress, or excuse me, through Automatic, and uh, and it'll just be like click a button in your WordPress.com site, or uh, if you're if you're doing self-hosting then there'll probably be a, a way to just add, add that in as a module too. Uh, Jeff, mm. how, how, I don't quite understand that because by that logic, why aren't they coming out with a browser? Uh, why would they need to come out with a browser? Everyone why would they need one. a podcasting client? Uh, how does having a podcasting client help them make podcast hosting tools? Well, uh, the other the other podcasting piece that they bought, if I'm remembering correctly, is related to uh, to hosting. Or did they just buy two clients? And I'm creating yes, clients. Story. Oh, just clients. Uh, never mind. Disregard everything <laughs> I just said. Uh, but um, even still, if they're if they're picking up a couple clients, aggregator clients, my guess is that they have some way that they want to integrate those into wordpress.com and uh, and uh, maybe ultimately become an aggregator themselves, um, just like Apple is doing through, uh, through iTunes. Our discussion of the Pegasus spyware continues in the next edition of Mac Voices, and we take a look at the acquisition by Automatic, the makers of WordPress, of Pocket Casts, the podcast client software, and what it might mean for podcast production and consumption. And based on a request from the chat room, we all reveal what our podcast uh, client software of choice is. That's next time on Mac Voices. I hope you'll join us. Until then, and as always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.